0: to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Um, uh, but now we're, we're reading from the book of Exodus chapter 6 verses 6 through 7. And um, we're calling this the Four Cups because this passage that we're reading and preaching from, this passage is a passage that is read um, every single year when the Jews celebrate the Passover Seder. This is also, by the way, the meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples on the night when he was betrayed, that we now call communion. So uh, this is a very significant meal. Jesus had been waiting for some time to celebrate it with his disciples. And uh, within that meal, there are four cups of wine. Uh, and those four cups, Jews will drink those at particular orders uh, with, within the meal. They don't drink it all at once, but it's a, a different segments of the meal um, they, in the Passover Seder. Seder means order. And so during, during the Passover Seder, they will drink these four cups of wine representing the four promises that God made to Israel back in Exodus. Now, this is uh, God speaking to Moses and these are the promises that God made to Israel, but I believe also these are God's promises for each and every one of us. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the principles of the word of God are, are applicable across time. And actually, these same four promises are applicable across the Jewish nation's time, right? So it's not just when God brought them out of Egypt. You can see the same, these same promises trying to be enacted in, in, in the book of Judges, for instance, right? When, 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 when God speaks to Gideon and raises Gideon up, what's he trying to do? He's trying to fulfill his promise ultimately to Abraham, right? So initially, God made a promise with Abraham. It had to do with land, but it wasn't just about land. It had to do with his, with his, his descendants, but it wasn't just about his descendants. There was somebody coming at the end of his descendants. There was a seed, a singular a, G, a Christ, a Jesus that we call him, a Messiah, and that was the that was the whole point. And so God is trying to even within Jesus now, He is opening up these promises to us, the Gentiles, the Texans, the uh, uh, the Americans also, the the Nigerians, the Mongolians. Welcome in from from Mongolia. Uh, every tribe and every tongue, he has he is opened up his promises. Not just to Jewish, not just to the. It's no longer a racial thing. This is a kingdom thing. And so I want, as as a pastor and for our church, I want us to experience all of these promises. And so we're let's read it together and call it out with me, if you will, when at the yellow parts. That's the that's the promise part. I'm trying to make it easy for you. God says to uh, Moses, He says, therefore, say to the Israelites. I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the bondage or the yoke or the burden of the Egyptians. That's promise number one. That is the promise of God to bring us out from under the bondage of sin. Jesus said, whoever sins is a slave to sin. But he said, I've come to set you free. I've come to relieve you from the weight and the burden of sin. And so a few weeks ago, I preached that passage, God's promise to bring you out, whatever slavery you're in, however long you've been in it, however many different ways you've tried to get out of it. You cannot get out of it until you experience the power of God through salvation to bring you out from under the bondage of that sin. And so even on that one Sunday, man, we prayed and several of you raised your hands, said, I am putting my faith in Jesus so that he might bring me out from under this bondage. And that that happens instantaneously. Scripture says that as soon as we believe that that's when that new birth begins, that's when that, new, that process begins of him just bringing us out that happened for the Egyptians in one night right one morning they were slaves the next day they weren't and so that's that's the idea this is a quick process so man I'm so thankful for everybody who uh, a few weeks ago and even just in January everybody that was born again in January can we give it up for everybody that got born again in January 2023 and the good news is January's not over So you can still be born again in January 2023 if you put your faith in Jesus today. It's that simple to say, I believe that Jesus died for my sin. He rose again on the third day and he can remove from me this burden. He has the power to do that. And so when you put faith in him and believe in him, that's when he removes the burden of sin. And so this is his promise. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And then secondly, he says, I will free you. That's terrible. All right. So secondly, he says, I will free you from being slaves to them. So the first promise had to do with their location. They were under the bondage of the Egyptians. The second promise had to do with their identity. I will free you from being. I will free you. I will change what you are. I will change what you call yourself. I will change how you think about yourself. And the Jews call this the cup of deliverance. Because that is deliverance. Deliverance isn't just uh, demon casting out, right? Where you somebody lays hands on somebody and they shake and froth and, and roll around. That does happen. <laughs> so there is that kind of deliverance. But most of the kind of deliverance that most of us need is not so much from demonic possession or oppression. It's really from our past. The stuff in our past that comes back to haunt us, that comes up, that rises up. And so we preached about that, how the Jews got to the Red Sea and suddenly turned around them and their past is coming back to get them. And so for everyone, and we had a lot of people just raise their hands and say, man, I feel like God is God is calling me into this cup of deliverance. I'm standing in front of a Red Sea and he wants to bring me into deliverance. And how does God do that? Well, he says, he says right here, I'll free you from being slaves to them. And the way that he did it for the Jewish people was... We read from Psalms that he led them through the Red Sea like a, like a flock of sheep. So this is how God delivers us. He, he puts us into a family. He puts us into a flock. He gives us some shepherds. Moses and Aaron, Psalms said, were their shepherds. And like a flock of sheep, they went through. So God wants to bring us through the barriers that we're facing and he wants to deliver us from our past. The way he does it is he puts us into families, which is another reason why I'm so, I've I've felt so good about these 21 days of prayer and fasting that we were meeting in different living rooms because within those circles, that's where change happens. That's where God's power for deliverance is revealed. That's where power, like we often sit in rows like we are right now. But real power and real deliverance happens in circles. When we circle up, when we, when we gather up, and, we, when we, and when it's more than just sitting here, hearing a word from the pastor, but actually, after service, we're going to gather in sort of circles, and we're going to eat, and we're going to fellowship, because it is within that fellowship that you realize you're not alone. It is within that fellowship that you realize that what you're facing, somebody else is also facing or has faced. It is within that fellowship that you realize that, 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 that we are together in our struggles. And so, even this past Wednesday night, right? We had prayer and worship on Wednesday night, and I just felt that the Lord was just leading us to gather up in circles. And uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot of us here, but whoever was here, there's like five or six little circles of four or five people. And, and I said, let's just pray for each other. Let's let's hold. Let's lay hands on each other and pray for each other. And it was, and it was awesome to see everybody gathering in circles. And we had some testimonies come out of that, right? Bolu stood up and shared about how powerful that was for her, and then she actually shared not not specifics, but that she's going through a difficult time and ask for all of us to circle around her and pray for her and to believe that, uh, who are you, Great Mountain, that you should not bow low, to believe that mountains can be moved, that, 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 that the Red Sea can part, that God can make a way, even when you can't find a way, even when you don't know what's going on, but God has a plan and we can trust him. And that's why, that's why, that's why, that's why this cup, the cup of deliverance, I believe is dependent on people coming together, that uh, as we gather, as we pray for each other, uh, James puts it like this. He said, he said, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. You're like, well, wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to confess my sins to God. Well, yes, you are. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it doesn't say he's faithful and just to heal us. So the way that Chris Hodges says it is that we go to God For forgiveness but we go to God's people for healing and the truth is we we innately know that because as soon as you run into trouble you start you always reach out for community the problem is most of us have reached out for the wrong people your hairdresser doesn't have the best advice (laughs) no insult to hairdressers here or barbers uh, but I'm just saying we reach out to people who will sympathize with us we reach out to people and say, oh, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Or we'll, you know, encourage our darker sides and say, oh, that's right. You ought to be mad about that. You know, and so we reach out for comfort, but we don't. But, 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 but he says, I will, I will deliver you. And so we really should be reaching out for deliverance. We should be reaching out to people who will help us get through the situation, not sit in it. And that is God's people. That is people who are also trying to get through situations. Not perfect, but we're also trying to make it through. And I figured a couple things out and I can share that with you. Maybe you figured a couple things out. Maybe you can share that with me. And so this cup, this cup of deliverance is seen in circles as we connect with each other. And then he says, I will free you from being slaves to them. And then he says all altogether, I will redeem you. Yeah, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. We talked about that last Sunday, God's plan for redemption. The Jews call this the cup of redemption. This is his promise to redeem us. And redeem means to, 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 to put back to an original purpose. Right? So that's where the, 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 the gift card came in, came in handy. The gift card illustration of the Cheesecake Factory gift card. We redeemed that gift card when we used it. And this is the beauty of God's promise and his plan for us. He desires to use us. He desires to incorporate us in his plan to affect change in the world. He desires to use us. So if you're here today and you're like, I don't know about any of that. No, I'm telling you, God has a plan to use you. Now he wants, to, he wants to remove those burdens from you first. He wants to get you in a family where, where you're being delivered and you're walking through deliverance of past hurts and past wounds and past issues. But the reason for all of that is because he has something for us to do. He has, it's not just pastors and preachers and evangelists who God wants to use. God wants to use every single person here. And he's given gifts to you. He's given gifts inside of you. And some of you haven't even found those yet. So, good news, we're gonna help you find those. We're gonna help you discover those gifts. This Wednesday night, normally, this Wednesday is February 1st, so normally we would have first Wednesday worship on the first Wednesday. But this first Wednesday, we're gonna do a little something different, and we're going to discover our spiritual gifts. So, if you're interested in discovering your spiritual gifts, just meet us here at the church um seven o'clock we'll be here seven o'clock and we're going to walk through uh, a process to discover your spiritual gifts now if you've already discovered them we still would love for you to come to join with us one to ask you how are you using those and to see how best you can use those gifts but two maybe you can help other people as they're discovering their gifts figure out how to use them so it's not just pastor harry just telling everybody what to do Uh, we're going to sit in some circles here And we're going to figure out and and try to find the gifts that God's placed inside of us. So we have a wonderful tool that we use for that. But it's not just about a tool. Um, It's also about connection. It's also about conversation. And it's also about prayer. And so it's so much to discovering the gifts God's placed inside of us. And so I want you to join with us. This Wednesday night. Um, But we believe that that's God's plan for you. And that's a big part of God's purpose for us is that we would be redeemed, that he would put us into his service that who that we'd be used by God nothing there's nothing greater than being used by God it's not God trust me God's not mean he's not going to like use you in a way that doesn't fit (laughs) like well your personality is this well I'll do the exact opposite and make you suffer he's not really about that it's not the kind of God that he is Uh, he asks us to trust him sometimes he doesn't explain everything sometimes and for us control freaks, that can be a problem, but we do learn to trust him. But, but you find, what the, the old hymn, uh, uh, "'Twas best for him to have his way in thee." Uh, you, you find afterward that, wow, what I thought I wanted wasn't even right for me. The girl I really wanted to date, so thankful I didn't marry her. <laughs> no amens? Okay, fine, just me? All right, yeah. Uh, If you have a plan for your life, that's lovely. Proverbs says that that, that a man plans his steps and thinks ahead. That's great. But God knows what's best. God knows what I need. God knows what fulfills me. God knows. And the sooner I can trust him, the sooner I can lean in to what he's put inside of me, the better. And uh, if God's called anybody to sing at any point, maybe the spiritual gift of of uh, singing one note it's, all, it's only he got, he got one note he got one note down he's work on some other ones it'd be good to go um uh, but today i want to look at this final promise where he says in verse seven he said i will take you as my own people yeah that's his promise the jews call this uh and you can just leave the scripture up but the, the jews call this the the cup of praise where god says i will take you as my own people and then he says, you will be my people and I will be your God. The Jews call this the cup of praise, the, the cup of uh, praise. Praise means to, to boast or to make much of or to fulfill or to uh, expound on or to shout or to celebrate. And this, I believe, is what all of the cups are supposed to lead to. This is what all the promises of God are supposed to lead us into this life of celebration, into this life of joy into this life of peace and it doesn't mean that you don't have problems it doesn't mean that you don't face things or encounter things but it does mean that through it all you have this constant praise this constant uh, uh joy that can't be stolen from you by your circumstances it can't be taken from you by relationship problems that can't be removed from you by the economy that there's this life there's this there's this there's this praise and the word for praise in the hebrew is hallel. And so we, I do have a slide to help illustrate that. So we have a word, a Hebrew word that we say a lot in church. We say hallelujah. And, and hallelujah is really just hallel, "Uya," <laughs> And ya is short for Yahweh, for God. So really hallelujah just means praise to God or celebrate God or make the most of God or rejoice in God or shout about God. That's what hallelujah means. And so this is God's plan for us is to live a hallel life, that our life hallelujah is not just a song uh, that was made popular back in the 80s, but it's not, it's not even just a song, something that we say in church. But, but hallelujah is a, is, a, is a posture of life that we're supposed to live in, that God wants us to live in. That after he's saved you from under the burden of your sin, freed you from slavery to that stuff, then after he's helped deal with your past and put you in a family where you're all moving forward together, and then he's helping you discover why you were created, what's inside of you the plans he has for you, the purpose that he has for your life, that as you're walking out that purpose with your family, having been relieved of your past burden, that then your life is this hallel. that there's a constant hallel. there's a constant praise, there's a constant celebration. I may still have troubles, I may still have problems, things may not always go my way, but in, 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 in the midst of all of it, I have an ongoing hallel. I have an ongoing just praise. And so that's what we want to talk to you about today, about how, how God wants to do that. So if we can go back to the scripture, you can see, you can see that, that, that He says, "I will take you as my people." And so again, it sounds like I'm sort of repeating myself, but again, this idea of a team or a people is so crucial to understanding the promises of God. In fact, even with regard to your calling, right? We're going to gather on Wednesday night. We're going to talk about your gifts and your personality and how that fits in with your calling. It's very individualistic, right? But it's never individualistic. You cannot fulfill your calling by yourself. So no matter, I don't care if you're Billy Graham, you cannot fulfill your calling by yourself. God never... Give somebody a gift that they can just use by themselves. He's never like, hey, here's." look at all the spiritual gifts. None of them operate on an island with you and you sitting there talking to you. <laughs> it's always within community. Look at the, look at the fruit of the Spirit. Not, not, not even the gifts of the Spirit, just the fruit of the Spirit. Is all, it's only seen in community. Love, okay. Well, it's, loving yourself is nice, but love is really seen when you extend that to somebody else. So, so God intended to take us as a people, as a group, as a as a as a unit. You know, nowadays it gets kind of popular to say, I, I guess because of the emergence of online church, I, I see a lot of uh, people saying, "Well, church is wherever you are, right?" And th- and, and that's just not true, because people are like, "Well, I can just go out in the woods and have church." You can't. One, church is not something you have. Is something you are and you are not the church no one individual is the church because the church is it's a plural word in the in the Greek it's ekklesia which means called out ones plural that's ones with an s so the church itself is a plural word now it might be only two people that can be the church it might be three two or three gathered together that can be the church but no one person can be the church, you are not the church, we are the church. I am not the church, we are the church. The church only works when there is a we. It's like, in English, it's like the word team, right? Like, you can't say, I am the team. It, that, that doesn't grammatically make sense unless you literally don't have a team. Because <laughs> when it's just you, that's, that's solo, that's a solo sport, right? Like, it's just you, but a team implies by its very definition more than one person. Well, that's what the word church is. The word church implies by its very definition more than one person, right? Like, and no one person is the team. I don't, I don't know. I was going to say, I don't know if it's too soon. So I'm not sure if I should say it or not, but. <laughs> don't say. It. So just as an example, just throwing this out there. I thought I would make it, I thought i would make it relatable to us. So, so, Dak Prescott is not the Cowboys, right? See, see the difference, see, 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 see the Cowboys lost last week. That's the entire team. Now, if you're Micah Parsons, you might have some different thoughts about that. And that's fair enough. He can have his thoughts and throwing two interceptions isn't great, but at the end of the day, is like part of a team there's a general manager there's an owner there's a coach there's multiple coaches and so there's you can't ever lay the blame for an entire game or the credit for an entire game on any one person right (laughs) so for us Lions you know we used to have Barry Sanders Barry Sanders wasn't the team he was the only good player on the team but he wasn't the team The only one scoring touchdowns, but he wasn't like there was there was a team around him and his front line had to be so bad to make him look really good. That's how it worked. They were so terrible that he looked amazing. So uh, you, you, you can't just say, I am the church, because when you say you are the church, you're forgetting that the church only works if there is a we. There is no I in team or church. Come on, somebody. Uh, there's, so there's, it just doesn't work that way. And it is within these teams, it is within these teams that God changes us. It's within these teams that we see heaven win. It's when Christians try to go solo that heaven doesn't win. Because the team doesn't win. When people divorce themselves from the team, separate themselves, cut themselves off from the team. And so this is, this is while, it's, while it's difficult for that individual, it's also, man, the church is missing out from your gifts. The church is missing out from what you bring. So we will never be who God wants us to be until you get into the team. So that's why it's so important. He says, I will take you as my people. Man, there's been so many different teams throughout the years that have changed my life. There's a team in West Virginia, St. Albans, West Virginia, uh, Maranatha Fellowship Church. That team helped me discover my gifts and my calling. I was a part of that team. Now the team, and this is where you gotta be careful, people talk about finding their tribe. And what they mean is finding people who are just like them. So be careful, they they weren't just like me, the folks at Maranatha. They were different, I was kinda quiet, they were super loud, Uh, they they, they were different. Oftentimes our tribe or the team that God brings us into is not people who look and act and think just like us. In fact, they're people who think and look and act in our different ages than us. God's team is always diverse. God's team is always multicultural. God's team is always multifaceted. And he brings people from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of countries, all kinds of places, and he brings them together as a team. And so man, the team in Maranatha Fellowship helped me so much. Uh, then I joined a team of internation- God Chasers International was the official title of the ministry with, uh, with Bishop, Pastor, Apostle, Elder, His Eminence, Tommy Tenney. I was just thinking of all the titles that people, it was funny because he wasn't a pastor, but people would call him Pastor Tommy. I was like, he's not, he's, he's not a pastor. He's not even a doctor. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, they, they, they give him all kinds of titles just randomly. But I traveled with him throughout the world. And man, I saw so many different teams. I saw a team in Nigeria. We were part of that team. About 10,000 people in an outdoor facility without any roof. And we were, it was hot. It was hot, hot. I don't know, it was a million degrees outside. And um, I was sweating in my suit and tie. And, uh, but man, we were, we were worshiping God together. I I saw a team in, of, a team of Cajuns. Now that's a funny team. Get a team of Cajuns together after Katrina. Their their church, the steeple had fallen onto the church. It was a large church, and so they were meeting in the parking lot with a tent. And it was raining, kind of like today. And so, this team, we were we we were dancing as, as the rain was like running under the tent. So we're dancing on the water. It's splashing up. But that didn't keep the little old lady in the middle from like dancing like the, the 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 salt box out of her hair. If any of you ever been in any of those places. Okay, so there's a team that puts salt boxes uh, in, in their bun, and then they put their bun up, and they, they tie it up, and they don't wear makeup, and anyway, that's a team. It's one of the teams that God has, and it's interesting. You look around at the teams, and you figure out, I man, I was in a team. I visited a team in uh, uh, southeast Chicago called St. Sabinus, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a Catholic charismatic church, Father Flanagan, I'll never forget his name. Like, I was like, wow, that's a cool name. And uh, they got the robe, he got everything. They had a neon sign over the table of sacraments that said Jesus. It was a neon Jesus sign. This is southeast Chicago, so it was, it was a rough area. You had to, like, lock your car and take all your stuff out before you went in kind of area, you know. And um, we are in there. But, man, folks standing up on pews, shouting, worshiping, praising Jesus. I didn't see one thing about Mary in the whole place. I'm like, oh, these people are kind of, like, worshiping Jesus. That's a pretty good thing, I would say, for a church to be elevating Jesus ahead of his human mom. So that's great. But man, like you're in all these weird. I, I was in a team in England, the proper churches worship there. And I was, you know, I was just you know, like I've seen so many. Just as I traveled with Tommy, I was exposed to teams in, uh, in in San Diego. That was my favorite team, just because of the weather. But San Diego teams, wonderful teams, got some wonderful. But but these teams, and then and then after that, I moved to Texas, and I joined a, a team down in San Marcos called Promised Land San Marcos, and I love that team. We, we left the church, but I still love the team. I love the investment they put into me and the way that they helped me grow and blessed me, and um, man, if, if this church doesn't work out for you, drive down to San Marcos and try out Promised Land. It's a wonderful team of, of, of a church, but you don't, you don't get that if you just come sit on Sunday, listen to a sermon, sing a couple songs, and walk out. You don't actually join the team. Because this right here, this is just, this is just like, like in the NFL, I don't know if you watch Hard Knocks, but like after the game, like on Monday, they all come in and they all kind of talk about, you know, uh, some, some strategies and this is what the team that's coming up. That's what this is. This is the meeting before the game. This is the meeting where we talk about some strategies. We, we remind ourselves of our purpose. We glorify God because he is, he is over us and he is our reason for living. We remind ourselves, I'm the coach. I kind of pump you guys up. You guys go out and the game is out there. The game is Monday through Saturday. That's why just simply being a part of the team on Sunday, which means you join the team meetings, but we really could use you out there blocking for somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> another Dak Prescott idea we just need like give them some time man come on just give us like we need like it's great that you're in the meeting it's wonderful but could you get out on the field this is where God's kingdom comes alive when God's people stop getting in the team meeting and they get out on the field and they say you know what okay I'm gonna do something to build the kingdom of God this week I'm gonna use my gifts this week in my job at my school in my relationships in a small group care group, whatever it is, I'm going to get together Wednesday night. I'm going to to join this team. And it is in joining teams that we see God transform us. I've seen God add to me in every team that I've joined. And I am the person today that I am because it's been a, a combination, a culmination of every team I've been a part of. Every team he's allowed me to be a part of. And I'm so grateful for that. Now, these teams aren't perfect, by the way. You're Right, they got some people. They got some weird folks in them. Every single team I've been a part of, there's some oddballs. You know, there's one in every, there's one in every family, sire. Two in mine actually. Uh, there's some 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 odd ones, and uh, it's never me. Just saying, just saying. And I've always been able to find them. So I, that's how I know I'm not it. I'm like, oh, there they are. And um, yeah, you know, it's never me obviously. Uh, But man, you're going to rub shoulders with with people who can help you. You're going to rub shoulders with people who have been there. You're going to rub shoulders with people who are going to sow into you. It's not always going to feel great. You're probably going to disagree sometimes. Even with the coach, you're not going to be happy with some of his decisions. But man, if you stick with the team, you really grow through it. You really do. And so the question is, have you been taken? Because that's what God's promise is. I will take you as my people. And then he says, I'll do something else. I will be your God. That's what makes the church team different from all other teams. Right? There's a lot of teams. 49ers represented right down front here. A lot of teams out there. But the difference of the church, the church is a team that has God as its captain. God is its owner, manager, GM. God is over it, which means that what we do is not just in our own power, which means that as we play this game, as we step out and try to make a difference in this world, we're not just on our own. It's not just about our knowledge. It's not just about our capabilities, but we have God on our side. He says, I'll take you as my people and then I'll get involved. I will be your God. There will be something greater than you, over you, leading you. So that's how that, that's I want to close today. I told you it was going to be a short sermon. I want to close with the four kinds of people that are in this room. Uh, I got an email a little while back from um, a guy, actually here in Austin. I don't even think he's a Christian, but he's a, he's a business guy, and I love, love a lot of his stuff, so I sign up for his email, and he talked about the four kinds of people in life, and so I adapted a little bit. On the sea of life, we got four kinds of folks, and those four kinds of people are probably in this room right now, First off, we have some drifters. So don't look around, don't don't stare down your spouse or nudge them or that's not the time for for your conviction. But we got some drifters. Drifters, they just they just drift. They they float from place to place. You know, you just kinda float in here, because that's just kind of what worked out today. You float in something tomorrow. You you go to work because well you just sort of floated into that job. You're in this relationship because it's just sort of worked out. Uh, drifters, they just kind of, they, they don't have any particular purpose in life, but they're driven. They are driven. We're all driven by something. They're driven rather by difficulty. They're trying to avoid it. So, so any waves, we, want, we, we don't, we don't want to be near that. So we allow the waves of life to push us in a particular easier direction. So you get a hold of some driftwood or something, and you hang out on it. And you're like, well, we'll just kind of see, kind of see where this, where this wave takes me. The waves take you places. Difficulty pushes you in particular directions. You got quiet. Okay, maybe we got a few drifters here. All right, 15, 20, I don't know how many. But man, my encouragement to you is that if you would allow God to take you, if you would allow God to put you in a family, by the way, drifters are usually kind of alone. They drift alone. Because, because other people have other goals and they're going off after those other goals, but this person just wants it the easy path, the easiest path possible. Well, if you could just let God take you, and I know it scares you to think about heading into some storms. I know it scares you to think about dealing with some things inside of you. I know it know kind of scares you. It could get a little rough. But I'm telling you, if you could see what's on the other side of faithfulness, where God takes you, puts you in a team of people who want to make a difference, who are, who are trying to follow God, and you actually stick with that, and you actually weather a couple of things, you would find that the storm's really not that scary. You would find that the, that the payoff of purpose it's far greater than the risk of pain. So, to you drifters, we love you. We're glad that you're here. Glad you floated on in. I hope you don't keep floating. I hope you allow God to take you. Because when God takes you, now you're living intentionally. Now you're making decisions intentionally. It's not always the right decisions, right? <laughs> but you're doing it intentionally. And God helps shape those decisions, and God helps mold those, and, and, and you learn to do more than just hang out on driftwood. The second kind of person in life in, in this room, I assume, would be surfers. I think we actually have a couple of surfers. My wife, at one point was trying that out. Surfers are interesting. Surfers look like drifters if you just see them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, walk along the shore, you can't tell the difference between a drifter and a surfer initially because a surfer is laying on his board just watching the horizon right and so surfers they, they look like they're drifting but really they're looking for the next wave and as soon as they see the next wave they paddle like crazy to get out in front of it so surfers man they're like you gotta have some pretty strong lats and you have develop some muscles that i don't have because it's like you're you're like making a beeline, and, and it's just and pretty much just your hands. You're on your board, and you work your tail off for short periods of time. So, so, so to all of our surfers in here, I want to speak to you for just a minute. God loves your momentary initiative. God loves your little burst. He developed your lats different than he developed mine, I guess. No, just kidding. That's, that's just laziness on my part. Um, <laughs> I could be ripped if I wanted to be. Don't want to be. Uh, the cost is not worth the pain is all I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? No, no. So, so, so surfers, look, here's, here's the deal. God, God loves your initiative. God loves your vision. God loves the fact that you see stuff before other people see stuff. But here's what God wants to do. God wants to take you. And what I mean by that is, God wants to define your vision. Because surfers are defined by what excites them the most at the moment. Surfers are driven by desire, fun. And there's nothing wrong with fun. But the problem is, you'll work really hard for these short, momentary, quick gains. Work really hard to get the girl. And then when you get her, you work really hard to get the job. And then when you get it,. As soon as the joy, the fun goes out, the, the, the adventure, as soon as the wave dies down, then you're out looking for the next wave. And you're drifting, you're waiting, and you're waiting. And, 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 and God created you to see potential and to see ideas and to have these kind of creative moments and, and to have a drive that can stay up all night to get a project done. And that's great, but he, he wants to take you. And when he takes you, you will find that you don't just chase waves. Because what happens is surfers never get very far from the shore. They go out, they come in. They go out, they come in. They go out, they come in. They go out, and they're con- this, is, this is their life. They never get very far. Because they're constantly chasing the next high, the next joy, the next pleasure, the next opportunity, the next thing. And, and they focus all their energy on that. And so actually, surfers really, they, they hang out in packs for a while. I don't know if you've watched surfers. There'll, there'll be like five or six, seven of them all watching for waves. But as soon as a wave comes, it's not like, hey, uh, how about I help you get there? No, no, no. It's every man, woman, child for themselves. It's like, I am going for what I want. I'll be with you as long as it works for me. But as soon as I see what I want... If you can't keep up, that's on you. Yeah. And God wants to take you as a people. See, sheep don't work like that. They don't charge ahead trying to be the first one to the water. Oh, as a drink, I'll be the first one there. No, sheep stick together. Because it's just as important that I get there as it is that you get there. And so what God wants to do, God wants to take you. When he takes you, he changes your priorities. It's not just about you having a good time. It's not just about you achieving this great thing, whatever that great thing is. It's about us together going somewhere, not just achieving something. So to your surfers, Jesus loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. Allow him to take you, and you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised at the power of purpose. And then number three, there are, in life, there are drowners. <laughs> Professional drowners. <laughs> These folks are driven by dysfunction. If, it, if dysfunction wasn't there before they got there, it will be when they do. I hear you can drown in a glass of water. I don't understand how that's true because I can drink a glass of water. But maybe somebody one time did. I don't know. But I do know... That, I, that, that there are people who can take an okay situation and make it terrible. They'll find the shallowest puddle and figure out a reason why they can't swim through it. There are professional drowners. There are drowners who, it's like every situation they complain about. No matter what church they're a part of, there's something wrong with that church. No matter what relationship they're a part of, there's something wrong with that. And they're constantly critical. And, con- it really what, and it's not that they're just evil. For those of you drowners in here, because we probably got a couple professional drowners in here, <laughs> it's not that you're evil. You just you just don't want to suffer. So you constantly are pushing water away from you, because that seems dangerous. But but the water is the very thing that helps us float. And so 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 pushing away love, pushing away acceptance, pushing away. Uh, truth, pushing away peace, pushing away correction, that's some of the stuff that actually helps us float. And so what happens is we, we have a dysfunction, we have a, a dysfunction in our heart, and it causes us to create dysfunction wherever we go and create chaos. But there's good news. There, are, there have been so many drowners throughout history that have found, that have allowed God to take them. For instance, Jonah, professional drowner. <laughs> Jonah in the Bible, no matter where he was, he wanted to be somebody, somewhere else. <laughs> no matter what he was doing, he wanted to be doing something else. Jonah, professional drowner. Jonah actually didn't, God told Jonah to go to this particular city called Nineveh and to share a good message with them. And he, he found a reason why a good message was bad. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not doing it. Because Nineveh's sketchy. For one, it was it was sketchy, it was bad, it was dangerous, and for two, even if the good message works, these bad people are then going to become God's people. They're gonna get blessed, and he didn't want that. So his dysfunction kept him in a drowning state, and so he jumped into a boat with a bunch of other people and went the opposite way than where he was supposed to go. And sure enough, a storm rises up, and a bunch of pagans, people that weren't uh, Jews at all, they. Because they served a God who demanded human sacrifice. Our God doesn't. But they said, wow, hey, this must be the gods. The gods must be angry. So we need to give them human sacrifice. Everybody's looking around. Oh, crap. Who's who's he going to pick? And this is, to me, just such a beautiful moment in Jonah's life. I know there's a lot of bad moments in Jonah's life. But this is a beautiful moment where Jonah takes responsibility for his dysfunction. And he says, you know what? It's me. Because here's what like drowners never realize. They, they think they're alone, but actually the boat that they are in, everybody in that boat is suffering with them. They're all having to go through the same storm. They're all facing the same dangers and the same fear. And it's just as rocky and bumpy as it is for everybody. And what I love about Jonah is Jonah said, you know what? I don't want these people to suffer. He looked around the, the boat, a bunch of people he didn't know. And basically, he said, I would rather be in the hands of God than in my own hands. I'd rather for God to take me. And that's what they did. They chucked him overboard. He uh, flailed around for a minute and did what Jonah did, does, which is drown. He goes down underwater. God sends a big fish to eat him up or swallow him whole so he wasn't actually chewed. But Psalms, the psalmist tells us that he did actually die under there because you can't survive for three days in the belly of a, of a fish. That scientifically, doesn't work. But he was drowning. And, and actually, there's a beautiful prayer in Psalms that, uh, uh, that is attributed to Jonah where he calls out to God and he commits his spirit to him, which is similar to what Jesus said said on the cross because the whole it was an analogy of the three days of Jesus being dead but anyway it's this beautiful moment where he says God take me basically I'm tired of trying to figure things out myself I'm, try, I'm tired of trying to push away everything that I think is gonna hurt me I'll let God take me under and if I let God take me under I know God can bring me up and that's exactly what the first resurrection in all of Scripture is in the book of Jonah when God brought him back up, the fish spit him out, and he was choking and coughing and awake and alive on the shore of where he was supposed to be all along. So here's the good news, drowners. You're not far from where you're supposed to have been all along. And God knows exactly how to get you there. It might only take three days. But it will require you to say, God, take me. Take me, take me. If even if I have to go under the thing I fear the most, just take me and I trust you to bring me back. I trust you to raise me up. The fourth kind of folks here, and this is the kind that I would love for all of us to be, these would be navigators, and navigators are driven by a destination. They have a map, they have a compass, they have a boat and a crew. That crew is the team, and they're going somewhere. And they have a captain, his name is Jesus. And Jesus is telling them where to row and where to turn and when to batten down the hatches and when to fold up the and, and pull, pull out the sails. That's what God wants for all of us. He wants us to go through life living a Hillel, living a praise. So if we just pray for just a minute, getting ready to dismiss, but I would just like to give you an opportunity. One, I don't know where everybody is. There's these four different kinds of People, I know that for all of us, the answer is to say, God, take me. You take the reins of my life. You take control of my life. You lead me. And he promises right here that he will. His desire is to take us as a family and then to be our God. So if that's you today, if you desire to be taken by him, and that could mean multiple things for you. Whether salvation, right? Lord, take, take this burden of sin off my shoulders. I want to know you. Whether deliverance, Father, I have these old habits that keep coming back. Help me deal with those. Whether purpose, redemption, Father, I, I don't know what's inside me, but I want to be used by you that's you today, would you just raise both hands just in an act of surrender? Right now, we come to you, Father. We know that you're the answer. You create, you create life, you create destiny and purpose. And your word says that you put the lonely in families. You place us where we want, where you want us to go. We, right now, we surrender to you, Father. Come take us, Take us through every trial. Take us through every heartache. Take us through every lesson that we have yet to learn that we need. Take us and be our God. Be in charge. Be our captain. Be our Lord. Take the reins of our life, as it were, the steering wheel. We want to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.